0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where both chambers of the legislature are in session today. The Senate takes up a bill to overturn a local ordinance in Key West, banning chemical sunscreens, while the House will talk about abolishing the Constitutional Revision Commission. That sunscreen bill is on the fast track in the Capitol. The House version passed out of its second committee on Tuesday. The Health Policy Committee in the Senate approves a bill raising the legal age for tobacco or vaping products from 18 to 18 to 21. A Boston Terrier named Allie is the guest of honor as the Criminal Justice Committee in the State Senate takes up a bill named in her honor. In fact, she was on the Speaker's podium as lawmakers debated that bill. Senator Jason Pizzo has a bill that creates a loophole in the law prohibiting lewd and lascivious behavior. He wants to carve out an exemption for clothing optional beaches and nudist colonies. The good news is he did not bring any witnesses or visual aids to the hearing. Our studio guest today is Stephanie Smith, who cut her teeth in government working for former Governors Jeb Bush and Charlie Crist. She's now lobbying the legislature for Uber, the rideshare company, and they're gearing up for the Super Bowl. We'll also have your calendar of events and our regular feature on the trials and tribulations of Florida Man. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, January 22nd. The Senate Committee on Health Policy votes to impose new restrictions on tobacco and vaping. Senator David Simmons' bill would raise the legal age for smoking and vaping from 18 to 21.
1: If we don't solve this problem. We are going to be in a health crisis and a financial crisis uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the future. We're talking about the next great crisis in health. And when you have 30% of your youth that's below the age of 18, high school students, and even middle school students uh, who are vaping, uh, we know we've got a crisis. One of the greatest crises. one of the greatest health crises Uh, in uh, America today.
0: Jonathan Rustin, who owns a vape shop and an e-liquid manufacturing company, says it's not fair to lump them in with tobacco, and he says vaping was the only thing that got him off of cigarettes.
2: Lung-related issues from vaping is from black market THC cartridges. It's already been said by the CDC. It was said months ago by the FDA. It is not nicotine vaping that is causing these lung injuries. It is scientifically proven and backed up by the CDC at this point in time. All of these regulations or all of these pieces of legislation that are being proposed this year, all you're doing is just penalizing the good guys, and you're going to allow the bad guys to win. You're just going to be forcing people over to irresponsible online retailers. You're not going to be accomplishing anything with that portion of this bill. This is a life-saving technology. I was a smoker until August 3rd, 2013, got my first e-cigarette. I have not had a cigarette since. Nothing had ever helped me get away from the grips of big tobacco. 20 years, two packs a day. My father, almost 50 years, two packs a day. It was the only thing that we actually could stop smoking with. And here we are being referred to as the biggest health crisis this country has ever faced, when in fact there's 13 million people who have used this technology to get off of combustible tobacco products. In the last 24 hours, over 1,300 people have died in the United States from smoking combustible tobacco products, and we're not talking about that. We're talking about something that doesn't kill anybody. At this point in time, there is no evidence that vaping nicotine hurts anyone.
0: But Senator Simmons believes the hurt is real and that vaping nicotine is just as dangerous as smoking it.
2: Most e-cigarettes contain
1: nicotine, the addictive drug in regular cigarettes, cigars, and other tobacco products. Nicotine exposure during adolescence can impact learning, memory, and attention. They get it from the people who are close to them, who are 18 and 19 years of age. THC can easily be put into these uh, vaping products and can be used without being able to be detected by our youth. This is an additional problem with having youth addicted. Not only that, for those who died and those who are significantly impacted by those who have uh, used our children, our grandchildren, as guinea pigs, because that's exactly what's happened. You hear people saying, I'm not responsible. I'm not one of those. I do my own alchemy in my own uh, manufacturing office, and I'm good, but those who cause the deaths, those are some part, somebody else. It's your children. It's our children. It's our grandchildren. And the simple fact of it is, where do we start? We start by raising the age to 21 years of age for both of these products, having them both fall within the definition of a uh, tobacco nicotine product.
0: Simmons' bill, known as Tobacco 21, won unanimous approval in the Health Policy Committee. A bill overturning the ban on chemical sunscreens adopted by the city of Key West has been approved by the local affairs committee in the Florida House. Key West banned sunscreens containing two specific chemicals because of studies showing they damaged coral reefs. But Representative Spencer Roach of North Fort Myers says the science just isn't there.
3: You know, there are some things that people say, there are some things that we know, and there are some things that we don't know in this in this issue. And I would refer you to the OPAGA study that um, that we commissioned here, which looked at 18 of the most credible studies that have sought to measure the effects of these two chemicals in, in sunscreen, octanoxate and oxybenzone. These studies tested these chemicals in concentration levels that are not found in nature. In fact, it's nearly impossible to replicate this in a real ocean environment. They didn't test sunscreen. They tested these two chemicals. Uh, so when you look at the OPAGA study, the OPAGA study uh, actually supports, it reinforces the lack of science on these ingredients and their harm to the environment. Um, so I do share the concern for protecting coral reef Spent my entire first career conducting environmental protection regulations at the Coast Guard protecting the marine environment. I'm very concerned about the coral. Lifelong avid scuba diver. Uh, if I believed that these two things were harming the coral reefs, I would certainly not be bringing this bill. So science is just not there yet. It may be one day, but it's not. We just simply don't know. It is unsettled. It is inconclusive. But what we do know from decades of science and published studies is that regular use of sunscreen reduces the risk of cancer. This is about giving your constituents the ability to make choices for themselves about how best to protect their family from the dangers of skin cancer.
0: Rebecca O'Hara with the Florida League of Cities opposes the bill. The science may not be conclusive, but she says they cannot simply ignore the impact of sunscreen chemicals on the coral reefs.
4: You don't think that local governments ought to be regulating this because you don't think the science is sufficient to support the regulation. But if that's the case, keep in mind that there is a science out there that shows these substances do have an effect on coral. And while you may parse whether or not it deals with high concentrations applied to coral or it's not sunscreen specific, that doesn't justify doing nothing. This bill is an either-or proposition. Either local governments may regulate or nobody may regulate. There are more alternatives. I would submit to you that it's time for this state to be a leader in looking at the impacts of these substances on coral reefs in a Florida-specific fashion. Our economy deserves that. The coral deserves that. And I encourage you to take a deeper look at this issue and understand that preemption need not always be an either-or proposition. There are alternatives.
0: The Food and Drug Administration is also studying those chemicals to determine if there is an impact on human health. There won't be any guidance from the FDA until the fall at the earliest, but Dr. Mark Inglis says there is no doubt about the danger of not using sunscreen in the Sunshine State.
5: As a spear fisherman and Florida resident, I absolutely want to protect the coral reefs, but as a a dermatologist, I certainly want to protect people's skin. So um, I tend to come from the camp that until this data has been found to be fully conclusive, I would be um, um, uncomfortable with banning these chemicals. The best sunscreen is the one that people will wear. Um, if they won't wear it or have an aversion toward it, then they won't, won't do it, and that's why they came up with chemical sunscreen. So I think having a situation where you're banning 80% of the sunscreens on the market in a given locale really limits people's choices, and certainly there are some backups, but um, you know, I can't say, oh, it's for sure going to lead to increases in skin cancer, but we do know that having that protection available for, for people's skin is very important. So, again, I would, um, <clears throat> I, I'm generally in favor of this bill because I think um, until we have really good solid data of, yes, these chemicals are really causing, you know, imminent harm to coral reefs, you can't have that new data outweigh the solid data that um, uh, the sun's rays can be dangerous and deadly causing skin cancer, and we have currently tools to protect people from that
0: Representative Roach's bill overturning that Key West ban on chemical sunscreens has now been approved by two committees. One more, it's ready for a House vote in the floor. The Senate taking up the companion bill today. Their floor session starts at 1030. The criminal justice committee in the florida senate approves Allie's law to crack down on people who abuse cats and dogs it would require veterinarians to inform authorities when they suspect an animal has been a victim of abuse Ally is the name of a boston terrier adopted by david Hyde, and she was standing on the podium as he asked lawmakers to pass the bill named in her honor
6: this bill is meant to close an unintended gap in reporting abuse to a dog or a cat just as we would for child abuse we accomplish this by establishing guidelines and provisions compelling animal health providers to report known and suspected cases of abuse and to preserve the records of of the animal. Briefly, Allie's story illustrates the need for this bill. She came into Boston Terrier Rescue of Florida following an emergency C-section at a veterinary clinic, where she was surrendered because the breeder didn't want to pay for her surgery. Allie had been left to suffer for 24 hours in labor with five babies trapped inside. Like physicians, veterinarians take an oath when they complete their training and become licensed healthcare practitioners. Their oath in part says that being admitted to the profession of veterinary medicine, I solemnly swear to use my scientific knowledge for the benefit of society, through the protection of animal health and welfare, and for the relief of animal suffering. On behalf of Allie and myself, and the hundreds and possibly thousands of dogs and cats that this bill would save, from a life of abuse. Thank you for your time and the time and hearing Senate Bill 1044.
0: Alley's Law cleared the committee on a unanimous vote and the bill has bipartisan support in both chambers. It's illegal in Florida for a person to expose or exhibit their sexual organs in a vulgar or indecent manner while in public or private view. But there are beaches and nudist colonies in Florida where clothing is not required. And Senator Jason Pizzo of North Miami Beach says they need to create an exemption in the lewd lascivious law to make sure no one else is arrested for being naked at a clothing-optional beach.
7: This is an exception that's necessary, we believe, uh, as it relates to the exposure of sexual organs. If this was my first bill last year, I would have been hazed for it, I'm sure. But in all seriousness, under 800.03, the exposure of sexual organs as it relates to lewd and lascivious conduct never had and desperately needs an exception as it relates to clothing, optional beaches and parks that we have in the state. I plead my ignorance coming before this, realizing how big of an industry and an impact it has economically even to the state of Florida. Uh, last year, there were, there were 35, 34 uh, nudist resorts, so to speak. 5,100 total rooms, 1.2 million annual rooms sold in 2016. And it has a total positive economic impact of Florida of $7.4 billion. But more importantly, there have been hundreds of arrests over the years at at various parks and outlying areas. And even if the charges are dropped because they're found to have not been part of the intent of the Legislature as it relates to 800, it's very hard to undo when you get a Level 2 background check and arrest for lascivious conduct and having to explain and message that. So we're simply asking something that's already legal and already provided for in the state of Florida to go ahead and, and uh, amend uh, 800 to allow for the exception of, uh, of clothing optional areas.
2: Uh, no slideshow? <laughs>
0: Thankfully, there was no slideshow. If you've ever visited a nudist colony, you know why. Pizzo's bill passed the Senate Criminal Justice Committee on a unanimous vote. Next up, the Committee on Commerce and Tourism, which is sort of a perfect combo for the bill. The Florida region of the American Association for Nude Recreation says naked tourism has a $7.4 billion annual economic impact in Florida. Next up, we talk with Stephanie Smith, a lobbyist for the ride-sharing company called Uber. They're making big plans for the Super Bowl in Miami. Part of that plan is to use their drivers to spot victims of human trafficking. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics.
6: The Florida Hospital Association is inviting healthcare leaders from around the state for hospital day in the legislature in Tallahassee on February 3rd and 4th. The summit will include a briefing in the chamber of the Florida House of Representatives, as well as provide meeting opportunities with key legislators. Members may register online at the Florida Hospital Association site at FHA.org. Again, please register at FHA.org.
0: Welcome back to Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg, and our guest today in the studio is Stephanie Smith. She is an Uber lobbyist, and I'm not trying to throw, you know, superlatives out there. She's just a lobbyist for the company Uber.
8: Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here with it's you today. so
0: great to have you here. I mean, <laughs> we've known each other since, what, you came to town with the Charlie Crist administration? Yes,
8: sir. Actually, even before then, Governor Bush. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> right. You
0: were one of the Jebbies. Yes, sir. <laughs> so how does one get to be from, from a, a Jeb Bush, Charlie Crist Republican into an Uber lobbyist?
8: Did, uh, did, well, did
0: you offend the gods? I
8: know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that because as soon as Governor Crist, uh, you 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 know, decided not to run for for, uh, governor again. I was out looking for a job and I was very lucky to be able to land, uh, but it has been tough.
0: (laughs) Understood. Uber is a pretty big company and you've got a lot of things going on this year though, right? Can you talk about first of all, the preemption is over, right? That's yes. that's no longer an issue. You don't have to worry about cities and counties putting all sorts of weird little regulations on it.
8: That's right. Gone are the days of if we're uh, legal or not or operating or not. Um, we are now in, in all uh, 67 counties and 400-plus cities in Florida.
0: <laughs> and the big concern back then was insurance, whether that's drivers right. would be covered now. What are you working on this year to try and adolf- yeah. address that problem?
8: That's right. And so our number one priority this year is auto insurance reform. Uh, this has been an issue uh, that's been uh, talked about for some time since uh, the PIP um, law was put into place in 2012. And so specifically what we're focused on is repeal of the PIP system, which we feel has been has failed um, and requiring mandatory bodily um, injury insurance or mandatory BI, as you may hear it okay. called. So if
0: they go ahead and just repeal PIP altogether... Your agenda is pretty much done, right?
8: (laughs) That's right. That's exactly right. And I think we're an interesting um – uh, uh, stakeholder in this conversation because typically it's been held, you know, between insurance companies, trial lawyers, chiropractors, the hospitals, but because we are one of the largest purchasers of auto insurance in the country, we have we're in a unique position to be able to uh, quickly be able to see that Florida is an outlier uh, when it comes to auto insurance cost. They are extremely high. Um, we see that again as a purchaser, and also um, what what's reflected in our drivers and what they're having to purchase. And so uh, we see uh, an opportunity here. Hope We're optimistic that hopefully we'll be able to see some uh, changes uh, this year out of the legislature.
0: Now, do Uber drivers have to pay for their own insurance? Is that something the company picks up?
8: Yes, sir. So they pay for their own insurance when they're in their own personal car. But as soon as they're uh, on the app and they're looking for uh, a trip, if you will, or when they have a passenger in the car, we are insured when they're on app. Uh, and a passenger's in the car or they're looking for a trip.
6: And
0: I understand you're also looking to expand the role of Uber. You mentioned the transit supplement. What's going on there?
8: Yeah, so one of the things we're looking to track as well is any opportunities to partner with transit agencies, the Department of Transportation all the way down to your your local uh, transit agencies. And that would be in the form of providing first-mile, last-mile trips, paratransit trips. Where are those opportunities where potentially the current transit system It you know doesn't go where are those gaps and potentially where could we fill the gap uh, with you know reliable fast uh, you know low low cost trips uh, to supplement what currently is is there.
0: I guess would make you a government contractor at that. That's point, though, exactly
8: right. So being able to look for those opportunities to partner with government, um, to be able to to provide those trips, yeah, this is a whole new world <laughs> of us than contracting.
0: And partnering with government is something you've also done in the Super Bowl because that's oh, that's right. you know everyone's thing is that it's a chance for sex trafficking, right. You know that, that it will bring sex workers to town, and a lot of them are victims rather That's than right. perpetrators. And Uber is trying to train its drivers, is it not? That's right. That's exactly right. And So we've partnered with uh, the
8: Attorney General's Office and her uh, Human Trafficking Task Force, um, as well as Polaris, to be able to provide um, in-person trainings in Miami, Broward County, and Palm Beach, um, as well as distributing this information out via the app and email so that our drivers, because of the thousands of trips that are happening, every hour have um, potentially may come across some type of behavior they don't know necessarily what to do with it how to report it what are the signs so we're equipping them with that information so that they'll be able to uh, to to report that um, and know um, exactly what the signs are and
0: what to do with it is there a track record yet has has uber ma- made a, f- a- A significant number of contacts or referrals to police on these?
8: Yes. So um, specifically, not with the trainings we've just done. We just started actually a week ago uh, here in Florida. So we'll start getting that information in. But we have had cases in other parts of the country where drivers have reported law enforcement's followed up and it has indeed been uh, human trafficking and they've been able to uh, either rescue that child um, or that you know that young adult that's been in that situation so we've seen it in other states when we've partnered and so we're hoping to see similar results here in my opinion one one case one person is worth it
0: and what would you how would you respond to people who are a little bit concerned about the Big Brother mentality? And here is here is Uber sure. basically becoming the eyes of law enforcement.
8: Sure, sure. No, I think there's an, a unique... Uh, opportunity i think here though to if there if this platform is being used for the wrong purpose right whether it's to traffic uh, people or or to move other type of you know illegal um, things we need the drivers um you know they need to be safe and they also need to they i think they have a responsibility to have to you know to try to report those things so that they can be followed up on i think um if you talk to the drivers they they like being able to have this type of information because sometimes especially those that drive late night or early morning hours, they do feel like, you know, they may be something's going on, but they don't know what to do and they don't want to get themselves in trouble. Um, and so I think um, this allows them a bit of separation from being able to feel comfortable to report, but then also not putting themselves at danger uh, and, and trying to handle it themselves.
0: Understood. Now, from a business perspective, have you, have you gotten the plan yet to engulf and devour Lyft?
8: <laughs> no right now we're coexisting um and it's a, not the way american capitalism I know. works well one of the things i'm excited about though at, at uber is we're not just a ride share company we've got bikes now and scooters we also have uber eats uh, so we're diversifying our platform in some states we're already testing autonomous vehicle um and, and so the platform just continues to evolve and change which i think does a good job of separating us from our competitor <laughs>
0: Our guest today on Sunrise has been Stephanie Smith, the Uber lobbyist. Thank you so much for being here today.
8: Thank you, Rick. It's my pleasure.
0: On your calendar of events today, the Senate convenes at 1030 to take up the sunscreen bill we talked about earlier in the podcast. The House will hold a floor session beginning at 330, where they'll take up a proposal by Representatives Brad Drake and Anthony Sabatini to abolish the Florida Constitution Revision Commission. That commission meets every 20 years and has the power to place constitutional amendments on the ballot. Lawmakers have been trying for years to get rid of it. This is Nurses Day at the state capitol, and a coalition called Floridians Unite for Healthcare is holding a press conference about the bill allowing advanced practice registered nurses and physicians assistants to practice independently from doctors. House Speaker Jose Oliva will join them at 2 p.m. in front of the House chamber. Five state representatives are holding a press conference at 1130 in the Capitol to talk about a bill compensating Clifford Williams for 43 years of wrongful incarceration in Florida's criminal justice system. Democrats Kim Daniels, Keone McGee, Bobby Debose, and Evan Jenny will be joined by Republican Paul Renner, who chairs the House Judiciary Committee. The Enterprise Florida Board of Directors meets in Tallahassee at 9 at the Florida State Conference Center. The Florida Education Commissioner's Task Force on Holocaust Education meets at 9 at the Department of Education headquarters in Tallahassee. The Partnership for Florida Tourism is holding a Tourism Day program at the Tallahassee Civic Center starting at 9, followed by a rally at the Capitol at 1. Their big concern is saving Visit Florida, the state marketing agency, from elimination by the legislature. The Florida Department of Corrections is holding a statewide masonry competition, which will bring together seven teams from prisons to show off their skills. The fund starts at 9 at Baker Correctional Institution in Sanderson. And it's time once again for the continuing misadventures of Florida Man, the unofficial state animal. A Florida woman pushing an infant in a baby stroller passed out on the sidewalk in Clearwater. 46-year-old Stephanie Saldino and the 11-month-old baby were rushed to the hospital. Police say her blood alcohol level was .338. That is more than four times the legal limit for driving. It's almost fatal. Saldino told police she drank wine before taking the child out for a stroll and ultimately passed out on the sidewalk. Finally, a Florida man who won the Heisman Trophy and played in the NFL has finally punched his V-card at the age of 32. Tim Tebow, who insisted he would remain celibate until marriage, got hitched to South African model and former Miss Universe Demi-Lee Nell-Peters on Monday night in front of 260 guests in Cape Town. The groom's cake was keto-friendly. The dinner included steaks and a bacon salad. The happy couple also monetized the event with a wedding-themed sponsored social media post. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.